You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hello and welcome again to Occupation Station. I'm Diane Donato and our guest today is Dr. Kelly Sykon, the Director of the Virology Department at Zeptometrics. Dr. Sykon comes to us as part of our continuing effort to highlight the fascinating and important careers that are rooted in pharmacy. Dr. Sykon, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for this opportunity. Let's jump right into your area of expertise and how you came to it. Dr. Sykon, why did you select immunology as your doctorate program? Well, I'd been working as a lab technician for a few years and was getting frustrated that I couldn't solve problems that were coming up. Um, I'd been running the virology labs at a company called Zeptometrics, and we were sourcing more viruses and having to do a lot of troubleshooting that I just simply didn't have the skills to address properly. So a bachelor's degree provided me with a lot of knowledge and skills, but graduate school teaches you to think in a different way. So basically at that time, I was either going to quit and look for a new job or go to graduate school. The president of Zeptometrics was really a true mentor to me, Jim Hengst, and he said that I would do really good at graduate school. So I believed him and I pursued it. Honestly, it was never on my radar before then. I uh, had an interest in cancer research since about seventh grade when I lost an uncle to lung cancer. And since I worked with viruses and cell lines, I looked into the programs that dealt with microbiology, virology, and immunology. And being born and raised in Buffalo, I accepted an offer from the University at Buffalo program, which was actually run through the Roswell Park Cancer Institute. And there were a variety of researchers there doing cancer and virus work. So it seemed like a really good fit for what I wanted to achieve. That work-life balance is something that's very challenging to achieve. And it sounds like Zeptometrics was very supportive of you during that time. Was the company fairly small then? Yeah, there was maybe 12 people when I first joined. And it was actually, originally when I joined, it was called Cellular Products which actually got confusing as a name because it was about the time cell phones started becoming very popular. So we would get all kinds of phone calls for cell phones and had to tell people, no, it's actually the cells of your body. But they needed help growing and processing viruses into products, so they were hiring. I ended up, after I graduated my bachelor's degree from bio, with biotechnology from the Rochester Institute of Technology, I prepared a resume, sent it out to any ad listings looking for a lab technician or scientist, and got the call for an interview, and um, lucky me, I uh, got the job. So that's how you learned about the position? Yeah, absolutely. It was just, I ended up looking through the paper on multiple occasions, getting my resume ready, sending it out to any ads that were looking for a lab technician or a scientist or anything, you know, remotely, you know, related to a biology and biotechnology field and degree. And I got lucky that Cellular Products was my first uh, interview and my first job. What was it like to work in an industrial setting early in your training? It was great. So I got to master many skills, such as aseptic techniques. The company and, and the department itself has a very heavy focus on cell culture. So we do a lot of cell culture, viral infections and harvests, pipetting, which I was exposed to in undergrad, you know, really was a cornerstone skill to have in being successful. So I mastered my pipetting skills, reagent formulations, and then one thing that nobody really tells you about working for a company is document, document, document. So I got really good at document control and keeping good lab notebooks and things like that because it's all important to the manufacture of good products. So I learned a lot as a technician, and all those skills really made me a more attractive candidate 
when I decided to go back to grad school. Cellular products and deptometrics were very unique in their capabilities to, due to bio-level 3 lab space. Um, there's not a lot of that around the area, especially back then. Um, so we were very unique in the capabilities we could do. And since it was a small company, it also had a very casual family-like atmosphere. And actually, it still does today, even though Zeptometrics is about 10 times bigger than it was when I first joined. Sounds like a really good fit. Did you think that you would pursue a career on the corporate side? Not really. You know, I wasn't really sure exactly where I was going to end up. I just, you know, knew that I wanted to learn more And, you know, getting through graduate school, I had certain ideas about where I wanted to go. And now being the director for over 10 years, you know, I spend most of my time in an office. So I definitely miss the the bench work, but it's been really rewarding and I'm really happy with the path that my career has taken. Can you help familiarize us a little bit more with Zeptometrics? I believe that it's involved in the COVID-19 response. Yes. So let me give you a quick background. So uh, Zeptometrics is a biotech infectious disease company. We're located in downtown Buffalo, um, what's developed as the Buffalo Niagara Medical Campus. There's actually a lot of different science-based companies here now, and Zeptometrics, or cellular products, um, was actually one of the first four science-based companies when they initiated the Buffalo Niagara Medical Campus initiative. So uh, back in 1999 is when cellular products was... uh, sold and then purchased by Jim and um, some other people, and they renamed it as Zeptometrics. So we just actually celebrated la- uh, 20 years last year of being Zepto. So the company began really as just a retroviral company, so they would work with HIV mostly and HTLV, and the virology and our immunology were the two main scientific departments through the 1980s and the 1990s. Um, and, and again, it was really unique because we had that level three lab space to work with those viruses in a live format to grow them safely and under proper PPE and containment conditions. So while I was working as a lab tech back around Y2K, the company was putting a lot of effort into sourcing more viruses. So as the virology department continued to grow, it transitioned into more of a virology company overall. And then not long after that, while I was actually in grad school, a bacteriologist joined Zeptometrics and developed the bacteriology department, which handles the growth and production of bacteria, fungi, parasites, basically any other bugs that aren't a virus. So this was the third scientific department at Zeptometrics. And then with the oncoming boom of PCR and molecular diagnostics, the molecular biology department was formed. So they formulate our largest product line, which is called Natrol, for nucleic acid test control. So Natrol consists of purified, inactivated organisms that we grow and inactivate in the labs, um, and it ends up being a refrigerator-stable end product that can be used as molecular controls for infectious disease testing. So basically, as we source new organisms, it turns into new products or new product lines. So we develop them into live titered culture fluids that are usually used for analytical testing by diagnostic developers, uh, purified lysates, which can be used for antigen testing, and then the natural controls. And all these can help the researchers and assay developers out there get their jobs done. Now, speaking of COVID, we're actually heavily involved in providing these kind of products to customers right now. So basically, back in February is when we obtained the SARS-CoV-2 virus, and we set out to grow the virus and develop products as quickly and safely as possible. 
we were lucky because the virus actually grew beautifully. You know, we set out with a set of parameters that we predicted would grow the virus to the specs that we, you know, would like. And the time frame that we set out for production was spot on. So, you know, we were getting calls upon calls from customers and researchers and the uh, diagnostic assay developers looking for materials in order to work on their assays. So we, at this point, we only provide inactivated forms of this virus because it is a level three virus. It's, it's you know, difficult and dangerous to work with. But we've helped many of these test developers with the development of their COVID assays for submission to the FDA and then to get their emergency use authorizations, or EUA, which is needed in order for these tests to be used to diagnose patients. So, And then on the flip side, we also provide the COVID natural controls to hospitals and customers all over the world and help them set up the assays that they might be bringing on board, but then also ensure that they continue to run these tests properly. That really sounds so fascinating. Dr. Saikon, if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you a little bit about what a typical day is like in your life, if there is such a thing. But first, a word from Albany College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences President, Dr. Greg Dewey. What does student-centeredness mean? Isn't every college student-centered? No, every college is not student-centered. There are some colleges that are faculty-centered. There are some colleges that are research-centered. Student-centeredness is not a given, but the student-centeredness is about putting the student first, and that's the lens that you have to have. So if you create a one-stop shop where students can get all their registration and housing and all these things done in one fell swoop, that's student-centered. It may require more manpower, may not be the most efficient thing, but it's student-centered. I can come in and teach at this high, high level and blow the class away and they won't understand a thing I'm saying. I might feel pretty good about how smart I am, but that's not student-centered. The student-centeredness teaching is getting down to their level, making sure they understand basic concepts before you go forward means I have to work harder as a teacher. The student experience is the entire scope of things that happen to them throughout their years in college. It's not just about their classroom work. It's what happens inside the classroom, what happens outside the classroom. It's about the connections they make, about the networks they build. It is about their ease of registering for classes or their experience in the with clubs or athletics or how much they like the dining hall. Also about what happens in the lecture hall. So it's the whole spectrum of things. And it's our goal is to make sure they have the best student experience possible that will set them up for successful careers as they go forward. Welcome back to Occupation Station. I'm Diane Donato and our guest today, Dr. Kelly Sikon, Director of the Virology Department at Zeptometrics. Your career sounds so fascinating. Would you mind telling us a little bit about your current responsibilities at Zeptometrics? So as the director of virology, I have many different responsibilities. We always say we wear many hats as the directors of our departments here at Zeptometrics. So one of my main things is to manage the virology lab technicians. So I have seven people under me right now, um, and I help them keep the manufacturing flowing day to day. So communicating with them and troubleshooting and planning on the needs and wants from other departments or other customers is constantly a daily task. I also interact with many of my customers, not only to just fill orders, but also to develop partnerships. Uh, I truly feel that I have a responsibility to the researchers and the diagnostic assay developers to help them get their jobs done. And that's why I do what we do, and that's what we do what we do here at Zepto. 
There's also lots of administrative duties, such as internal meetings with upper management, because we're always on a, um, the path of continuous improvement to make Zeptometrics better and solve any issues that arise. And luckily, we have a great group of scientists here, and we all work really well together. I also interview the job applicants and students for full-time lab positions and internships and get to write many letters of recommendation, which is always great since I like to see people grow and succeed and, you know, help fulfill their dreams. I'm sure your days are just packed. What would you say is the most challenging thing that you do? Ah, yes. (laughs) Every day is different. And the most challenging part, I would say, is just remembering to be flexible. Um, I'll often come into work expecting to make progress on a certain set of tasks for the day, but rarely do I get the things done that I want to. There's always something else coming at you that you don't see coming. The priorities of the labs are constantly changing, even daily. So again, my technicians also have learned to be very flexible. They might you know, have something planned to do within the coming week, but then something else comes you know, in. Emails and phone calls are always coming in. Uh, inventory can get low on something with one big order you didn't see coming. You know, we see this right now with our COVID products. You know, we'll stock you know, 60 mils of something and a 40 mil order will come in and next thing you know, you know, two-thirds of your inventory is gone and, you know, the snap of a finger. Or custom requests come in that need time to think through and design. So literally every single day is different and you have to just come to expect the unexpected. Would you say you have a favorite aspect of your job? I love interacting with my technicians. They're amazing people. They're very engaged. And so that kind of goes hand in hand with custom projects being my favorite part. Since I get to design the experiments and direct the project to meet the customer's needs, it kind of really digs deep into that, you know, scientist that's in me. Um, So I get to use a lot of my skills uh, in that regard to uh, help customers further their projects. And the lab techs really love them, too, since these projects are usually geared towards something unique. So I try to rotate these projects through with all my scientists so they get to participate and continue to grow in their roles as well. Um, It empowers them to perform something different from their usual day-to-day manufacturing and testing tasks, and they know they're making a difference for a customer out there. At Occupation Station, we really like to help people and students envision the possibilities that are ahead for them. Can you comment a little bit on how your career has evolved? Did it go the direction you expected, or were there a lot of unanticipated twists and turns along the way? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it did go expected as, at first. So with, you know, graduating from RIT, obtaining the lab position at Cellular Products, but I thought that that would be enough to satisfy me as a scientist. And unfortunately, or fortunately, actually, it wasn't. You know, I wanted more. I wanted to learn more. So honestly, grad school was never on my radar. You know, I became interested in science, again, as like a seventh grader, where I had a super wonderful science teacher Um, And then grad school getting on my radar due to Jim, I'll always be thankful to both of those men for that. And Jim really showed me and opened my eyes that I could be capable of more. So while attending graduate school in Buffalo, my advisor was Sean Murphy, and he got an offer from the University of Rochester to move his lab like halfway into my graduate degree. So I had the choice of starting over with someone else at Roswell Park or commuting to Rochester each day. I really adored my advisor and loved my project, so I chose to commute every day. It wasn't always easy, especially when those winter storms would hit, you know, trying to drive down the 90. But in the end, 
I was grateful since I ended up with two homes full of great scientists and it made my thesis stronger. I'd say it also made me stronger too because I actually had my first daughter in 2004. So I don't even think she was one yet and I needed to fit a lot into each day to be productive. So you add three hours of driving to your day of being a new mom, running experiments, you know, trying to meet deadlines. It wasn't always easy, but I did it. And when I left Zepto to attend graduate school, I really expected to return and perform some type of cancer research. I was fascinated with the viruses that cause cancer and was thinking that would be my next step. But Jim, again, resurfaced and heard I was getting close to graduating and asked me to return and run the virology department. So once I defended my thesis, I came back to Zepto to run the department I started my career at. So I'd really come full circle And it's been really great to see the company grow and evolve over the last decade. That sounds really daunting, but I'm sure you'd say it was all worth it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When I look back, it was definitely a wonderful opportunity. um, And it was a lot to deal with on some days, but I'm, I'm so grateful. You know, there's always a silver lining in anything hard that you might be going through. So it all worked out in the end. I see that in your spare time <laughs> that you actually help mentor some high school students, and I can tell that you care about inspiring others. So what advice would you have for ACPHS's bright and scientifically astute students who are considering industry jobs? Okay, so I have a couple comments in this area. Um, I've been fortunate, as you said, to be a mentor to many students and technicians over the years. And the one thing I always say to everybody is that science is a torch that needs to be passed, right? You can't learn to be a good scientist from reading a book or watching a TV show or watching YouTube even. Um, You need a strong mentor who will invest time in you and help you learn techniques and help you develop how to think differently. Um, I went into industry because I saw Sean, you know, my graduate school advisor, constantly writing grants and struggling to get funding. I've always loved the bench work and experiments and cell culture, but I wanted something secure. You know, I don't want to scare anybody away from academics since professors are critical to the development of our future scientists and basic research is very rewarding. But I had a toddler at this point and a mortgage and the opportunity to return to Zepto just seemed like the perfect option at the time. So for students in general, I'd like to say that as you consider your career path, think about what drives you. What do you enjoy doing? Is there something in a class or a lab you find super interesting? Because that's really what sparked me and what I ended up focusing on in graduate school. But are you self-motivated? Do you want to run a lab and train students or employees even? Do you want to design and perform experiments? Do you prefer a large corporate setting or a smaller family-like setting? You might not even know. Like I just jumped in with both feet into cellular products back then and you know, just knew it was biotechnology and that I was going to learn a lot, and I did. Um, so no matter what path you take, you'll have your role and responsibilities as part of a team. And we all need to work together, whether you're performing research, developing assays, testing patients, teaching students. You know, it, it's, it's all teamwork when it comes to science-based um, career paths. So pay attention to what lights you up inside, since that will guide you towards the career you're going to enjoy. I'd also say, and I say this to all the students that I interact with as well here in Buffalo, if you can perform internships, work with professors, and gain skills, definitely go for it. These experiences will help you learn what you enjoy and what you don't. And like I said, I honestly miss the bench work. And since being back at Zepto, I do spend most of my day in the office. I didn't expect that, 
but as director now I have to run the show. So the more you learn sometimes, the more you have more responsibilities to do that, uh, you know, you might not have anticipated. My technicians are here now to perform the lab work, and that keeps them happy in their career. So, But I have had many technicians return to school after working a few years, since not everyone knows what they want to do after graduating. Um, so I would suggest looking at the students and the colleagues around you as well, because chances are you're going to interact with some of them in the future, whether it is in industry, academia, you know, or whatnot. Um, Building relationships and networking are great skills to have since you never know who you're going to work with in the future. And I've actually worked with Sean, again, my grad school advisor, other professors where I rotated in their labs at UB, and former students that I uh, was with with projects and it's all been really rewarding because, you know, I found my little niche and um, all those people that I can network with and count on from my past just makes it even better, you know, to get involved with projects with them. And in science, we all will never stop learning. That's, that's a given. You know, you have to love to learn if you're going to have a career in science. So as you grow and continue to learn and science continues to evolve, your paths and your interests may change. So don't be afraid to go after the career you want. Your journey has really been very inspirational, and we appreciate you joining us today to help shed some light on these possibilities for career paths. Dr. Kelly Sykon, Director of Virology Department at Zeptometrics, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, you're very welcome. This was a wonderful opportunity. Thank you. For more information or to schedule a tour, visit acphs.edu. You can tune in to all of our informative stories at acphs.edu forward slash podcast. Each podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeart, giving you the opportunity to listen from a mobile device. Mark Occupation Station as a favorite, and you'll receive push notifications as soon as we publish something new. Occupation Station is also a proud member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, the largest podcast content directory dedicated to the business and profession of pharmacy.